Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Eyes of the Mize. My name is John. That's Ian. Hi. Did me. <laughs> I, I, I had something that I was going to do this week, and I'm like, Ugh, I froze in the moment. <laughs> but it's, it's like we good. could fix this in post. <laughs> Whatever. It's all good. Yeah. Anyways, today is February 19th. It's episode 113. Infecting Baltimore. Ew, not that way. Gross. Yeah, so this is the, I guess you could say, like, two weeks late SCG Baltimore recap. We had some pressing matters to attend to, in my defense. Yeah, so, like we mentioned last week, John had some stuff. And then last week, we kind of, we needed to do the seething song while it was still fresh in our minds. So, John went full ham. And I thought it was a really good episode. I, I went full honey baked ham. <laughs> Dude, don't remind me. I got to... Oh, man. <laughs> I have some work stories regarding honey baked ham. Holy... Oh, no. Oh, no. Quick aside. When you go to pick up an order for catering at honey baked ham and you get there at nine in the morning ready to go and you're like, hey, I'm here to pick up my order. Like, wait, do you mean this? To... Isn't that order for tomorrow? Turns out the person who ordered it ordered it for the next day accidentally. So then I had to sit and wait for the order to get finished. And it took them like an hour and a half to do it quickly. But thankfully, Honey Baked Ham came through. There we go. Positive <laughs> all the way. It was just incredibly awkward going in and them being like, no, 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 that order's for tomorrow. And be like, oh, I didn't do this. Call back to the office. Yo, you messed up. <laughs> what? Before we do that, we're going to do a couple of eyes in the community real fast. One, uh, tomorrow, a.k.a. the day that this episode goes live, February 20th, is the Twitch Rivals event on Magic Arena starting at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Now, this will be interesting because we're going to get a lot of standard thrown in our face because, you know, there's another event going on this week that is yeah. awful of standard. It is going to be a little bit of standard, a little bit of draft. It is Mythic Championship Cleveland because I'm not calling it the other name. What is it like? M Mythic C Championship 1. The hashtag is 2019MC1. Yeah, I I didn't no. do this with the Seething Song, but we have seriously regressed when it comes to... Uh, just, just, do, just do MC Cleveland. We, we regressed. Or MC Cleave or whatever. Don't... <laughs> it sounds like a band. <sighs> No, okay, um, here, here, so we absolutely regressed from it being like PT whatever, or just call it like or MCRNA. Well, again, they're not calling them by set names anymore because they're trying to divul divest them yeah. from the sets. But at the same time, here's my question. So if this is MC1, what's going to be the first – like, so we're having at least four Mythic Championships this year, right? Yeah. And then we're having a number of Arena Mythic Championships that we don't know, Wizards. Please yes. tell us during please tell us during Cleveland how many mythic championships there are this year for please. both tabletop and arena. Please. That'd be very helpful. Please. That'd be great. And then at the same time, so let's say there's eight mythic championships this year, which would be a lot in a little bit of time. Oh, is as, the first mythic and, and, okay. and they, like in a tweet that I quote tweeted today, it has been one hundred and thirty eight days since the Wizards of the Coast announcement of the end of the PPTQ system, and we still have no replacement yet. Wizards, you have until Mythic Championship Cleveland to tell us. The end of it. You should really tell us day one of it, but you have until the end of it to tell us what's replacing PPTQs at the store level. Yeah. And it's not you – know, we're going to have these these tournaments that either have one or multiple and some of them are invites. You need to tell us specifics, not that just that these are going to exist because if no one's running them, they don't exist anymore. But sorry, sorry. That, that's bleed <laughs> over from last week. Anyway. Um, here's my question. Is the, Mythic, is the first Mythic Championship of 2020 MC9 if there's eight this year? Or is it like – that doesn't the numbering doesn't work, Wizards. It resets. But then there's two Mythic Championship ones that I could be referring to. And I don't care that there's 2020 and 2019. Those names are stupid, Wizards. Fix it. You have time. Yeah, it's and then that also doesn't really even start to cover the retcon that's going on, apparently. Brian David Marshall made a tweet and had to like kind of decipher it where there's a certain number of Pro Tours that count as technically magic championships but another stretch that doesn't because of how a certain type of pro tour then got rolled into what well there were always worlds. the weird like world championship pro tours early on yeah but where they, the world champion yeah, was determined at a pro tour and but then they were just we, and then later pro tours though so but like those yeah. particular pro tours then became world championships 
which now don't exist anymore. Yeah, there's a whole like scheme of what is and isn't considered a mythic championship. I'm backwards. sure BDM. I'm sure BDM will just will explain it fully and completely if Wizards communication is to be believed from the past year or so. No, I actually think he he would, but he. he I mean, he will. It. He'll do his best, but at the same time, it's just like. Yeah, but before Wizards. We, yeah, before all right. So regardless of that, we're ranting again. Before we move on to me talking a whole lot about my beloved Infect, uh, I w- do want to give a massive shout out to a buddy, of mine, Nick Price, Nick Price, Nick Prince. Wow, go me, uh, Nick Prince, who actually qualified for Mythic Mythic Championship, Championship London. There we go. <laughs> I was about to call it Pro Tour, not the other name, <laughs> Mythic Championship London. Yeah. Wizards, you still have time to fix this. But the craziest part about Nick is that at one point he actually tweeted yesterday that he was like, I'm, I'm pulling it up right now. RPTQ dream is dead 4-0 into 0-2. So basically went up to 4-2 feeling pretty defeated. And he was like lamenting the fact that there was no OP announcement coming up to know what was serious. But then again, he re- right after that, he realized he was ninth comfortably ahead on breakers. It broke the right way. He slipped into the top eight in eighth place. Only one 15-pointer made it, and he was it. And then he ended on winning. There you go. So everyone, like my entire feed for a while, as soon as that happened, was just full of, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, congratulations. And it was great. And big shout to yeah. Nick. Way to go, buddy. It's a lot. It, it is It is not easy to win an RPTQ. So hats he, off to him. And it was like one of the last ones, too. So he took it down. Good job, yep. man. So now, so now, Ian, yes. two weeks delayed. Yes. Let's talk about Star City Games Open in Baltimore. Team Mixed Limit or Team Mixed Constructed. Yeah, so Team Mixed Constructed, you have one player playing standard, one player on modern, and one player on legacy. It's a very interesting thing. There's no unified rules here because you're playing completely different formats. You are going to have cards potentially crossing across your pool. In this case, it might be Shocklands with your standard and modern player and then Fetchlands with your modern legacy player. Or or unless you're playing Phoenix, you could be in all three. I mean, I don't know if there was. I mean, the Mono Mono Phoenix team would definitely be really spicy. I, I didn't see that there was one, but now that I think about it, that would have been some pretty nice spice. But that said, um, also want to give out a major shout out to the winning team of Liz Lynn. Uh, it was, where is it? No, there it is. Uh, Ryan Overturf and the standard player was uh, Alex Hahn. They took down the tournament. I'm friends with Liz. She's great. She was running, uh, oh gosh, what was it? Oh, uh, Death Shadow in Legacy. Ooh. Pretty spice. Uh, uh, heart, uh, what's his name? Alex uh, was running. Uh, was it Alex? No, that's the classic, not the open. Oh my god, there's too many freaking things here. <laughs> Why are you doing this to me? Oh well. Well, you know. Well, you know when you know one third of the deck list that you need to care about are standards, and the other third are modern. I bet. Third legacy. Things are just going to get a little weird. Yeah, it was Jacob Hagen, not that. There so Jacob go. Hagen. Yeah, I knew the name looked wrong. So Jake and Haber was on Azorius Agro, and uh, Ryan Overturf was on Teamer Phoenix. So they did have a Phoenix player, mm. but I was on Infect. Good old yes, you were hit you for ten. Count to ten. Dead pans into the camera to Mike. What? Dead pan look at the camera to Mike. Oh yeah, yeah, Mike. <laughs> what up? Anyway, so uh, back in December, actually December fifteenth, so mid month, um, I noticed people starting to say, "Hey, want to get a team together for SCG Baltimore," which was. Uh, took place over the weekend of February 2nd and 3rd. It is currently the 19th, so yeah, two weeks late. Oops. But um, right away, I had a friend uh, reply to me saying, hey, yeah, I'm up for that. And that is uh, Angelique Johnson, uh, Angel J, as her display name. It's AI Amethyst. She does cosplay um, and mm-hmm. software engineering as her day job. Uh, it's She's really cool. Uh, she it indicated that she would be interested in possibly teaming up down the road. And a couple days later, I was tweeting to somebody else who's an SCG grinder about me. I still need to find a team and everything like that. And then Ricky Hayashi 
who is a level three judge and sometimes head judges these events, was actually going to be playing. And I was like, hey, if you need another player, let me know. Keep me in mind. And I was like, cool. Pick that in the back of my head. Over the Christmas break, I started the team DM chat on Twitter and was like, hey, teammates, let's do this. Uh, so Ricky was on the not legacy seat. <laughs> um, which is which is a definitely good seat to be in sometimes. Yeah, uh, but he is a scapeshift Valak, or I should say more Valakit aficionado because he was looking to play Titan Shift in Modern. So basically we locked it down that Ricky, I kind of did some advanced work and Ricky basically got locked in the Modern seat. Uh, so it was basically Standard or Legacy for me, uh, Angel. She ended up, uh, grabbing the standard seat because she actually was going to be going to SCG Indianapolis, which was the week prior to that, also standard. Uh, so she would have had an SCG event to actually take a deck to a tournament, practice it, and be actually practicing already for standard as it was. Um, there was kind of wishy-washy. I wasn't quite sure what I would be on. Um, I was considering Death Shadow or Grixis Phoenix. I didn't have enough time to... Uh, test Grixis Phoenix so it was down to basically I was like 70-30 in fact Death Shadow because uh, the legacy version of Death Shadow has uh, oh gosh uh, Cabal Therapy which to be fair when you're using Cabal Therapy you need to have a pretty good read on the format as a whole with legacy because blind naming is a heck of a skill if you can do it and I can't yet so I just went with good old trusty infect. Now burn was actually burn was my 60, 70, 30. I kind of put death shadow aside. Yeah. Death shadow. Yeah. Burn was fun and I wasn't going to play it. Um, so I stuck I mean, with infect. I will say that the line of, you know, young pyromancer into cabal therapy, flashback cabal therapy is a pretty spicy line. But like you said, like there's only so many times you can go cabal therapy force of will to actually mean anything. So, well, and there's other times, too, where you can, if you know what your opponent's playing based off of their initial read, you usually don't want to cabal on one. Obviously. If you, you want to leave with, like, a thought seize or something mm -hmm. like that. But your cabal therapy, if you're naming it blind, you usually want to do it after, like, you've at least seen, like, their turn one play. So, you, like, depending on what they're fetching, you know, they might have, you know, like, a red-blue fetch and go grab a bayou and be like, all right. They're probably some sort of like four color pile, or maybe they're just three color, mm -hmm. just using the blue fetch. Um, I actually had that happen to me one of the one of the rounds. They were just oh, three color fine. bug. They were bug deck playing scalding tarns. So I decided on infect. Um, tested that for a couple times. Didn't stream as much as I wanted to, but then again, streaming isn't really the greatest for testing. I did jam a whole bunch of games with uh, burn and infect. Settle on infect. And coming around to the event, we basically, so uh, Ricky was staying with some friends and Angel and I ended up getting this, like, it's not quite Airbnb. It's called Stay Alfred. So basically they, this company, Stay Alfred, goes to like one of these nice downtown apartment complexes and basically purchases about like rents or whatever, maybe like 12 or 14 of them. And kind of like pseudo hotels with it. Yeah, it's it's kind of interesting. So it's like a Airbnb, but through a company and not through a person directly. So you're putting another Airbnb. person in between you and the Airbnb. No, it's you're you're directly dealing with that company. So Airbnb is the overall company that the person who owns the house works with Airbnb to rent it to you. Right. This is just I'm going directly to this company to rent an apartment. Huh. Interesting. For like a hotel. What an intriguing business model. Yeah. Well, Angel likes doing that because she actually loves to bake. Oh, that makes sense. So she actually brought a whole bunch of baked good stuff. And then when she got there, she was like, all right, I'm just going to make some muffins. So we had a bunch of muffins. For Sounds like, like what happened when it. we went to Atlanta because we got a house because um, uh, Taylor, we, we call him dad. Um, he was like, I just want to, you know, like cook and stuff. And we're like, yeah, no, that makes sense. No, so yeah, but this was kind of nice. Um, so we got there the night before the event. Didn't really do a whole lot. Just kind of stayed in. Um, I actually brought along my standard deck, which is Is It Drake's, and she was on Abzan Midrange. We'll have the links for all the deck lists that we played down in the show notes. Ricky's list deck list isn't going to be his, but it's going to be for 
Becky Adelman, who basically ran the uh, Titan Shift list that he was running. Mm-hmm. But she had had some issues basically losing to Is It Drake's before she was playing. And then I just obliterated her all, all of testing the night before. But I gave some insights as to how I approached the Is It Drake's game plan and how I'd play it out and all that kind of thing. We played a couple cyborg games. And it turns out my testing actually helped her in some of her games because she actually beat up on some Drake's players based off of how my play tendencies were, were, which are very similar to other people's. So she read the tendencies these people were doing, was able to read what their next couple cards were going to be based off of how they were playing. Like, obviously you're playing an Enigma Drake on three or on turn four and they're holding up a blue, they're going to have dive down. If they're playing everything with one mana open, they're going to have the dive down. Yeah, so, reminds me, that, that sort of reminds me like when um, we went to, or when I went to uh, RPTQ uh, 25 out in Texas, we went down a day early and then we had that that other, that extra day just where all we did was test. We just jammed games against one another, playing the various decks, playing our decks against each other, playing other decks we expected so that we had those reps. And uh, I distinctly remember because I was the standard seat or I was the mono red seat playing against uh, the mono green stompy decks because mono green is basically like mono red, except they don't have burn spells and the creatures are bigger, which makes it a little bit awkward. And I was just like, this is just a race. So I'm just going to treat it like a race. I don't think I need to test anymore. Besides I'm tired. I'm going to go take a nap. And I did. And then they kept testing and then I woke up and I was a lot better. But at the same time, <laughs> you know, looking back yeah. on it and then in the, and then I actually ran into one of them during the event and I was like, okay, this is a race. Got it. And then, and it turned out all right. Yeah. So it's kind of nice though is, so a lot of testing teams will do stuff like this over the course of before, you know, when they're actually going to the event. Um, since our team was kind of disjointed and kind of thrown together last minute with a bunch of people, you know, I wouldn't say randos off the internet because I know who they are. Um, it was just a bunch of random friends thrown together or a bunch of random acquaintances but at the friends. same time, you're you're each playing different formats. So like, unlike when I went to when we were in Texas, you know, we were still playing the same format, quote unquote. So yeah. all of our testing played into one another. You know, when I was playing Doug as Mono Red, it would help him if he played against Mono Red. When I was playing against Vinny because he was playing Green White, it would help him playing Green White. Help me if I ever played against it because yeah. the three of you are all playing different formats. Then yeah, it's kind the of hard of help to really you give. Yeah, yeah. So for it, I had done a team tournament. Um, in 2017 for Unified Modern, which is a beast in its own with how Unified rules work. But uh, I was that was really the only testing that we did as a team it was just me and Angel the night before jamming her Obzon list against me. And I told her, hey, you should probably bring in these kind of cards against me because Obzon is not really a deck that many people are playing right now. Uh, it the, When you look at her list, you can kind of get where she was going with it. Um, it's not bad. It was kind of interesting. She originally been looking at Rakdos, but there hadn't been like a Rakdos kind of the sack outlet deck, but mm. that never really kind of fully materialized. Unlike some of the other Rakdos decks coming out of Japan. Like the Rakdos pretty... mid-range deck that won uh, GP Memphis. Yeah. Uh, shout out to the game podcast who essentially said that Rakdos would probably be really good this week, past weekend. And surprise, surprise, one of the only copies in the top 32 took it down. Yeah, if your goal is to be good at standard, listen to the GAM podcast. Oh, Just God, they're, they're amazing. Full stop. Jerry oh, yeah. Thompson is a savant. They straight up called, this is a great week. That was a great week to play Rekindling Phoenix and four copies Guess what? In, in the winning deck. <laughs> they were right. Yeah, so let's get on to the actual event itself. Now, going into round one, I was kind of panicking after it, and I had to go into round two also kind of, because... When I register my deck list in the morning, I had a piece of paper that had my sideboard notes on it in my deck box. Mm-hmm. I took my deck out of my deck box, mm-hmm. registered online, mm-hmm. put my deck back in the deck box, left wow, my folded up piece of paper with my deck deck list, their sideboard notes on the kitchen table. <laughs> yeah, rookie mistake. Yeah. So fortunately, this stay Alfred was literally like two blocks away or two and a half blocks away from the convention center so i was actually able to go there between rounds two and three which was nice. fine i did fine but anyway i played blue white control in round one um so how i'm gonna do this is team or round one the deck list deck i played against my team record and my record so round one blue white control team 
0-1. Me, did not finish. I'm just going to say DNF. Uh, game one, I got in for a six shot of Infect to actually take down game one. Uh, I only lost one life for shocking myself or uh, fetching. And mm. game two, uh, I got locked down by a back to basics. I see. Yeah. Um, I had tapped out for, um, it was turn three and I had tapped out for, or I was on my, I was on the draw. So I, I had tapped out for with a trop and an, a, uh, ink moth on the battlefield. Actually, no, it was later on in the ground, but yeah, either way, I basically tapped out and then with a bunch of non-basics in play and they stuck it back to basics while I had shields down for counter magic and whoops. Oopsies. Yeah. Um, game three, I was about to get to a turn three, potentially not quite got the kill. If I had stuck towards maybe turn four or five, I think I got him. But DNF, my other two, my other two opponents beat my two teammates. Moving on to round. Number, so there really wasn't a whole lot to really talk about with blue eye control. Um, this was kind of your bog standard blue eye miracles list. I Makes did sense. get a, I lost also um, in that game one because they were able to do an entreat for two or three and we kind of danced around a little bit and then they just started chunking in for some damage basically to kill me off so round two i ended up going up against one of probably the so people i've seen people say this isn't a bad necessarily bad infect matchup uh if it basically depends on who draws out which but i've always felt like a dog to lance especially when they're running tabernacle yeah, Tabernacle is a hell of a card. So Tabernacle Pendrel Veil is doesn't tap for any mana, but it basically adds a cost to all your creatures where you have to pay one or sacrifice in in your in your opponent's upkeep, they have to pay one or sacrifice their creature. No, 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 sorry. One, it's at the beginning of the controller's upkeep. Oh, so you either you either two. pay one or you destroy it. Yeah, it's not because Merit Lage doesn't it's care about Tabernacle of Pendrel Veil. <laughs> yeah, basically Indestructible does that. So they eventually grinded me down to the perfect win in round one. A no permanent Merit Lodge victory. Um, I had got, I chunked them up to about six Infect when uh, they were able to start getting a Wasteland Loam Lock going on. And as soon as the Wasteland Loam Lock happened, they also stuck the Tabernacle which meant that for a turn or two, I could pay for my creatures with uh, the Noble Hierarch that was out. But then once that died, I got him up to six Infect, end up not losing. The next turn, there's like Merit Lodge. And I'm like, well, yeah, scoop. Game two, got to four Infect and was about to untap and win. But my opponent, my teammates actually beat their opponents for me. Remember, hey. kids, Legacy Infect is essentially a mid-range deck with a combo finish it's yep. it can do the turn two victory yes um i just want to do a brief aside on the deck so those who think oh god in fact i think the modern all-in combo version uh this has brainstorms ponders uh dazes force of wills uh it runs a sylvan library in the main at least my version does uh that's kind of the standard these days Sylvan Library is a heck of a great magic card, especially when you don't really care about your life total. And if you look at the top three cards of your library and see, oh, I literally have the win here. Awesome. It's a great way to dig extra cards deeper in your library that you wouldn't normally get to. Mm -hmm. Plus, if you have a way of brainstorm or a ponder effect, you can look at top one or two and be like, all right, I'll take four, put this one on top, ponder, shuffle away that card or bury it down too deep and shuffle it away eventually. Mm -hmm. um so turn two after round two i was able to quickly run back to my uh, room and i jogged there and was able to walk back had plenty of time um oh i should say my friend one opponent was enrique and my round two's opponent was tyler i like taking copious notes between rounds especially for this kind of thing uh, with podcasting so my round three opponent was tyreek and he was on a homebrew. Um, it was kind of a Maverick Loam deck smashed together. And he said, it's basically Maverick Loam without the red. Okay. So I guess it just doesn't have the punishing fire thing in there. But it's mostly focused around 
your Maverick aspects, your sword, Knight of the Reliquary, and your Lone Lands package. So kind of an interesting thing. Wasn't quite a standard list. Oh, I will say this. In this round and a couple other ones, Assassin's Trophy is all over the damn place in Legacy right now. It's a very, very powerful magic card. Yep. And it's popping up, especially when you go up against stuff like Grixis and even Infect, where they're running a very bare minimum of basic lands. Uh, If I've already fetched for my basic forest because I'm afraid of Wasteland and something gets Assassin's Trophy, I'll be like, cool, I just get a free shuffle effect. Yep. I I did that on more than one occasion where I had a not-so-great brainstorm for one or two cards down. I'll be like, yeah, cool, fail to find. Like, what? I'm like, yeah, I'm not even finding it. That's my only forest out here. (laughs) Shuffle, here's here's the deck. Cut it, please. Yeah, so... Speaking of those quick wins, I actually got a turn three lethal, lethal swing. I uh, had a turn one Glistener Elf uh, put down Noble on turn two, chunked in for two damage there, and then chunked in for the remaining eight plus in the next turn. Uh, victory to Infect game one. Hey. Uh, I sh- will also have to note, though, that my opponent did mulligan the four, so they were really kind of like way on the back foot that game. Uh, next game, uh, they were able to get a Knight of the Reliquary out. Um, Chunk me down pretty hard for eight in one turn. I was able to bajuka ball, get away, and then they were able to just rebuild their graveyard again uh, with lands. And Knight did the work. I wasn't able to stick any kind of relevant infect threat. Uh, game three, I took the win against a lands-ish deck. Uh, basically got a got to thirteen infect, hit for three, then got him up to six, then chunked up to thirteen. Um, we both mulled to six that game. Uh, me being on the play, I only took the one shot of damage from that. So I believe. So I'm not fully aware. I'd be better off if this was like two, three weeks ago of being able to tell you exacts on some of these games. But that's why I take copious notes. Um, play and mull. This deck mulligans like crazy, as I will cover in one of the games coming up. Uh, so Maverick Loam uh, team ended up two and one after this round. I was one and oh taking my first victory home. Uh, round four was against Jeskai Control, uh, mainly splashing red for, I believe it was, oh God, was it Lightning Bolt? I don't know. There was a red card they were splashing for, basically. They just had the free splash. They only had like one or two red cards in the deck. Um, it's basically Blood Control, so I didn't put a win-loss here, but assuming the fact that I went win-win, I think I lost the first round. But it was like 25 to 19. I might have actually won that and then played. I think this is where I played a free game and ended up winning again. Mm. I don't know. Anyway, game one was kind of weird. Um, just looking at the the list. Again, this is something where lost to lost the time because they don't necessarily track uh, your individual game win losses. They just track that you won two of the three. Yeah, it's weird because basically they could track those for tiebreakers. But just for the sake of time and everything, once you have a team hit two wins, they just say fill it out as 2-0, regardless of whether... Not, well, when I the one that I went to... Yeah, they say just fill out 2 RPTQ, They just said fill out 2-0 because the 2-1 doesn't matter that much because let's say that in that in your first round where you didn't finish, were you going to win that match? Well, no one knows. So well, no, 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 no. That would be... Yeah, that's... Yeah, it's kind of like there's there no there and there are cases though where you actually go one team wins a game, one team loses it, like one seat loses a game, and then it's game the round the third game that actually can decide it. That's like one of the only times you really know. But even then, yeah, in still, in the event I played, they said still fill it out two zero. Yeah, so basically we were three and one after this round. Uh, I took this one down, uh, so I lost game one. Like I said, uh, turn four win. I double invigorated chonk up to eleven. That's right. It's pretty good. Put it. I put it to eleven. Um, it goes to eleven. Yeah. So that was a pretty cool thing. So like I said, this thing can win quickly if your opponent stumbles, and yeah, it's pretty cool. Anyway, I took game three down from two poison to lethal, and I did write down that there was a massive counter war over the final pump. So I had basically uh, taken my hand. Using, I did take one or two chunks off of a Sylvan Library. Like control matchups, I just leave that in there too. You know, you want card quantity at that point, card selection too, making sure you have answers when you did. I ended up uh, chunking down a Flusterstorm, 
with like five things on the stack to just pick off each one of their uh, their counter spells at the end. Mm. Ended up getting the win there, which was kind of nice. I think I'd have like two or three, uh, what's it called? Uh, invigorates. <laughs> My opponent went up well above 20 life on that one. Uh, invigorate, by the way, is the two and a green uh, instant that you can cast this as an alternate casting cost of not having to pay any mana, but your opponent gains three life. So I'll just be like, all right, gain three life. They're like, what? I'm like, I'm casting Invigorate. Question. Like, well, don't, I you, have... don't you have to control a forest? Uh, yeah, yeah, I do. Okay. Yeah, you have, sure. to control a for- yeah, you have to control a forest, and then they gain three life. So I would be like, just be like, just go gain three life. And they're like, why? I'm like, Invigorate. They're like, oh, okay. So people are like trying to respond before I'm like, gain three life. You have the counter spell. I'm like running it absolutely into a counter spell but i didn't care because i had the return counter and they were trying to just counter it and then like everything go, i'm like no no you actually have to gain three life i'm casting it you gain three life now you can it's, respond it's part of the cost guys yeah it's it's a weird way that those alternate casting costs sometimes work is you have to do the alternate casting cost as kind of almost like a trigger but well, it doesn't really it doesn't use the stack thing. it doesn't use the stack there's no real way to respond to it you have it's like a state action or something like that so basically um as the it's the steps of casting a spell the what you're how you're kind of supposed to do it is you announce the spell you're going to cast then you pay for the costs and then that's how it would work so like i'm announcing i'm casting invigorate i'm choosing the alternate casting cost because i control the forest i would like you to gain three life this is now on the stack it is now your you now have a chance to respond yeah that's how it goes but we all shortcut it basically yeah it's fun. Um, yeah, so that was round four. Uh, team was up three to one, three and one. I was at two and zero oh individually. Um, I will go over exactly after this next round what the records were and how crazy things got with team events being size wise and everything is that sort. So round five, reanimator. Boy, did I get ranched hard this oh, no. round. John, you're looking at the show notes. You see how bad I got ranched. Yes. I lost game one. My opponent was on the play. I lost on turn zero. That's right. We hadn't even started the game yet, and I lost. How do you ask? Chancellor of the Annex, a four, white, 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 five, six, creature angel rare from New Phyrexia, you may re- which has flying, but also says, you may reveal this card from your opening hand. If you do, when each opponent casts his or her first spell of the game, counter that spell unless that player pays one. Mm-hmm. So if they're on the play and they reveal Chancellor of the Annex, your Force of Will costs one, which if you're on my deck, you have no way to pay that Force Spike. But also, whenever Chancellor of the Annex is on the battlefield, it says whenever an opponent casts a spell, counter it unless it pays one. So it has a built-in Force Spike on the card. They revealed in their opener, cooked, like I had the permission to, I had two force of will and a daze ready to go and i'm like all right i got some good permission i had to turn one creature i had a pump let's do this yeah no it didn't matter <laughs> they cook off with his nut reanimator hand of like enough lands to put grizz in the yard and chancellor and reanimate both of them back um i think they uh animated dead the chancellor they just had like all their lotus petals a bunch of rituals it was gross yep um they basically got grizz out quick took the seven took the seven drew 14 cards chunked down a couple more lotus petals popped the lotus petals cast a couple rituals dumped the chancellor in the yard and yeah it was disgusting i i just like straight up looked at it i'm like yep nope scoop i didn't even like play a land i was just like yeah i'm done yeah the the chancellors are very interesting cards because they're either do nothings and for a lar- for the most part. Like there's a couple of them that are like very niche. Like um Severn Olive did a video of um uh, not no land Beltro in modern, but like low basically not many lands low man- modern. Um and it played the green one, t- Chancellor of the Tangle, because its reveal condition is you add a green to your mana pool during your first uh main phase. Hmm. And then the red one, uh at the beginning of your first upkeep you get a one one goblin with haste. Um, yeah. the black one I think is like they lose three life, you gain three life, or something like that. Either way, Annex then, is the one that yeah. sees a lot of the play. Annex because... is the one that sees the most play because it's just like and force spike the first thing you want to try to play. 
which for reanimator it's a great way to protect their cooking off on turn zero base or turn one um so my opponent was 19 dropped down to like 11 dropped down to four yeah it was kind of disgusting so reanimator has that yeah game two i unfortunately mulligan down to four and i believe my four if i can read my really crummy handwriting it's cage plus surgical plus trop and then something that i can't read it seems I decent mean... on the play yeah however they were able to fight through that they destroyed my cage like on the first turn and had to turn to elish norn oh no <laughs> yeah oh no i was on a multifor and they stick it turn to elish norn through a literal multifor with nothing but cyborg hate i was just like oh sad i turned them the the funniest part here and the part that really hit that hurt the most on this one is that after game one we finished it really quickly obviously so a judge comes by and is like hey congratulations you two have been selected for a deck check so we had to sit for six plus minutes waiting or it was like <laughs> 10 to 12 minutes waiting for the deck check to happen and we we're just sitting there chatting my opponent mason was really cool Great opponent to chat with is for the 10 minutes while we're waiting for our decks to get checked. And then I get my deck back and proceed to lose in the next like three minutes. And it's just like, hey guys, I lost to my teammates. <laughs> it's just like, oh my God. They're like, yep. you okay over there? I'm like, yeah, I got deck check and still lost quicker than you guys did. Yeah. They're like, what was it? I'm like, reanimator. They cooked off. That but, happens. So at that point, my team was three and two. Oh, we end up losing that round um, on, I think it was the modern. So standard one, I lost, modern lost, and funnily enough, we were actually dead to day two, unbeknownst to us, in round five, mm. because the cutoff for SCG Baltimore being a team event meant that there were under 300 teams. I think there was like 280-something. Right. So a record of X, one, and two, which is what, 19 points, is, 20 points, uh, 20 that points. That would be, so 16, 20 points. one, and two would be yeah, 20 points yeah so a 20 point cutoff so you picked up your second loss on the day and any team basically round six on was just dead that we played which we were like okay maybe x2 we can get in maybe beat out some x2 ones whatever i mean you were kind of close yeah if we were thinking maybe we can go x2 one maybe pick up that extra point who knows um we ended up losing in round six to hit three and three so i played grixis control in round six against chase masters uh, who is a known entity on the tour or scg tour great opponent um he's on grix's control i recognize the name i was like yeah this guy plays Grixis." as soon as he as soon as i recognize the name i'm like yep i'm playing against the grixis this is gonna stink and uh i end up actually winning game one against grix's control which is very grix's control actually is probably the worst matchup for in fact in uh, i mean they have fatal Legacy. push and lightning bolt yeah they're they're just stacked to beat our deck just basically mm. the whole deck has just nothing but answers to everything i have however i also got him with a fluster storm on a nice massive stack um i had cast um let's see here yeah they went up i cast i think two or so invigorates i hit him for 17 poison damage which is a lot yeah um, do you get which, an achievement if you hit for 20 um i think my record when i was practicing was like 34 okay that's fair yeah i went invigorate change things it was a well, it was a uh against a bug opponent i was like invigorate invigorate berserk berserk yeah no that'll do through through a uh baleful strix blocker oh yeah i know that'll do it yeah it was like 33 dam points of damage getting through with trample uh -huh. Yeah, yeah, 34 no, but yeah one trample um i actually lost to ye old bolt snap bolt in game two. Oh, just such a classic yeah the classic bolt snap bolt so they were able to they got a vendillion clique down and just whittled my life total like i took two uh two fetches to 18 then i went to 15 and then they got me with uh a pyromancer chunk down to 10 then i went to five and then i went to two and then I got bolted out with the snap bolt. So the last one was bolt snap bolt. Yes, yeah, so they had everything working for them. Nothing going for me. Uh, the quick next time game, out, by the way, quick time yeah. out. 
Uh, Snapcaster was printed in 2011, so this year it will be eight years old. I think it counts as Snapbolt, Snapbolt counts as a classic now. Yeah, it's, well, it's also just like the classic line for any red-blue X deck. Since 2011, yeah, that's fair. Bolt, Snapbolt, get you for six. Mm -hmm. You think, okay, opponent's got three mana up, or four mana up, depending, they could bolt and turn, untap, Snapbolt, yeah. Um, lost there. Uh, then I got them up to. Uh, I kind of played a little hot and loose with an unprotected ink moth that he killed after the damage, which was kind of interesting. Um, I got him up to five infect. He took that down. It's like my only infector. I was just drawing blanks. I was doing nothing but pump for I think like four turns, five turns after they killed the after he killed the ink moth, and well, he rode a snapcaster to victory from ten. Yeah. Ten, eight, six, four, two, dead. So the reason why I deal to kill the ink moth after damage is usually so that um, it's it's a great it's a usual limited kind of strategy where you have like damage based removal and or some sort of other removal spell and you don't want it to get countered or blown out by another pump spell. Yeah. So well, it was it was a, after damage. I think it was in the end step he got got it. Regardless, like that's still something that you can you do. Like you know, in my turn, I'm going to kill that creature, and as long as it doesn't kill me this turn, I'm not going to waste it during combat. Unless like, so like if you were attacking with five for the, with that ink moth nexus, and you went to berserk it before damage, he had the he could respond to it. But the reason oh, why yeah. you probably if you had the berserk, you didn't cast it is because you didn't want it to get blown up by removal. So it's that whole chess game that really oh yeah legacy no. legacy compared compared to other formats. It's so great, but uh yeah. So after that point, um. They Kolagon's commanded to kill it. Yep. So they Kate commanded one. destroy target artifact, and they took away my like my one ground blocker that I had that would have been able to at least block the uh, snap. Mm-hmm. So at this point, we're thinking three and three. Okay, we might be dead to day two, um, unless it was really deep. We didn't know exactly what the cutoff was going to be. We figured, hey, we might get lucky. Six and three might make it. We never know. We figured, why not just go for it? We're I mean, six one two is pretty close to six and three, honestly. <laughs> Yeah, so we were looking to hit 18 points, and at this point we we're just like, hey, let's just go for Planeswalker points anyway. Like, what do they care about? So um, so we were, again, 3-3. Three and three. I was 2-2 two and two individually. Uh, so round 7, I went up against Bug midrange. Um, completely, uh, my opponent, Eamon, uh, po- completely got shut out by uh, Leovold game 1, couldn't get any traction rolling, and he just pecked me to death with his... Uh, What's it called? Belfel Strix. I got Strix to death. Mm-hmm. Then in game two, I was able to get him up to about two infect, and both my teammates won really quickly that round. So I it was like kind of a board stall where like he couldn't really attack he couldn't really attack me in the air because I had an ink moth ready to go and the ground was kind of stalled out with a couple of infectors yeah. um, to block. So we were just kind of like playing like the, okay, who can push through the the damage or who can, up yeah, ended uh-huh. up doing that. Fun opponent though. I took, actually, I think I ended up technically, I lost that round, um, but it was more of like my, both my teammates won right as yep. I was about to lose. So we were just like, scoop, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. I put a loss, but it was really just like, there was no way they could have chunked me down from that much damage. Right. Um. So then round eight, uh, so we're okay. So we're four and three. I'm at two two with a DNF there. I'm think we're thinking okay, cool. We, we're we're on the winning road again. This is good. I play against my round eight opponent Reggie on Punishing Loam. Uh, mm. That is the Punishing Fire with Grove of the Burn Willows and the Loam Life from the Loam pack lands package. So it's a take on lands, but not quite super heavy on the dark depth side of the combo. Yep. It's just looking to establish a board lock and then eventually get there. It's not looking to power it out. It's a grindier mid-ranges version of, I guess, the lands deck. Okay. I th- I would assume. I don't know. I just see Punishing Fire and I hate my life. Because yep. Punishing Fire is a two-mana instant uh, uncommon from Zendikar. One in a red. Punishing Fire deals two damage to target creature or player. It's not very good, right? Well, it says whenever an opponent gains life, you may pay red. If you do, return Punishing Fire from your graveyard to your hand. Well, go over the Burn Willows. You can tap it for a green or a red, and your opponent gains a life. Hey, look at that. Tap for red, opponent gains one life. Punishing Fire triggers on the stack. Use the red that you tapped. 
your punt your grove of the burn wheels for to pay for the punishing fire to return to your hand and you have recurring two points of damage well hmm. one point of damage to the to at least to the face there's a reason why punishing fire is banned in modern kids oh yeah well so the two two damage to target creature or player that's more of just like it'll eventually pick away um any kind of creatures that i have because all my creatures are x ones they die to a stiff breeze um and even and the Pendlehaven can only do so much against that because mm-hmm. you can tap on your turn to do it and then they bait you into doing it and yeah then they untap and get you a punishing fire so game one i did the lol gotcha turn two win on the draw Ooh. with 18 points of poison damage <laughs> nice 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 so turn one stick the uh elf say go opponent um kind of spins the wheels the uh, cast an explorer plays a land does something else who's explorer uh one of the or are you talking about the enchantment exploration or the spell yeah, exploration yeah, the exploration yeah the exploration doubt um and they basically use up all their mana and i'm like i look at him like do you have interaction with my creature and he's like what i'm like do you have interaction with my creature if not you are just dead this turn he's like oh, just show me i'm like okay untap invigorate invigorate berserk 18 you he's like yep that's it. So game two, though, is the one I'm really most proud of. I know we're kind of hitting the time soon, but no, it's it's all good. Uh, this one, I punishing loom is a, like I said, really bad matchup because they can get punishing fire. I was able to eke out a really quick win where my opponent just was getting set up and kept a hand that was good to dirtle like to turn four maybe, and I just had the super aggro all in combo hand, which was amazing. And I had one bit of permission, I think, for that, which is why I kept it. So round two, we went really long. So I'm looking at this. I had one, two, three, four instances where I gained life. So my opponent recurred Punishing Fire like three or four times this game. And I kept a Ink Moth Nexus back. Um, I would just keep running creatures out, letting them you know, run it into Punishing Fire. I wasn't really using my pump to protect on all of them i kind of like baited did like the kind of dance that you need to do with a deck like punishing fire they had the fire grove going and i think had they tapped weirdly Mm. bouncing their punishing fire back to their hand with a grove and they did one or two more things tapping themselves down to one mana and i was like this is my move like i have right now this window to go and 12 them nice activated the ink moth used a couple pump and just chunked in i was just like it was tense because i'm sitting there like okay just keep running these guys out let's do this and i think i become immense and i had a uh, noble out that they decided not to hit with the punishing fire which is really weird yeah that seems like a rookie mistake i mean i guess but, it's not an infect creature but well yeah so that's why at 12 because i was able to zero to 12 one point from that six or one point from that one from the ink moth that's two six from uh become immense and then four from invigorate to hit 12 it was really tense and me i was intentionally running creatures into their punishing fire because i had this become immense ready to go until they messed up and tapped out a punishing fire that i could then just delve away all my graveyard and my plan actually worked and it was one of those moments where i just felt like I saw where they were going really early and they were being very careless with their grove activations and was like, okay, if I play this right, I will grind them to a win when they mess up one turn. And I got them with that. And I was just like high five myself internally. So that's always a really good feeling. Oh, it was so, it was a nice, it was a mini, it was like a little mini level up. Like, okay, cool. I actually played the line for like six or seven turns where I needed to basically grind it out to where I hit it again. In fact, can play the mid range. I was sculpting my hand using brainstorms, ponders, and stuff like that. Maybe playing one or two little infectors and not really going for damage. He was like, "Oh gosh, kill it on sight." I'm like, "Okay, cool. Feed my graveyard, please." So round eight's over. Teams five and three. I don't. I didn't really track my teammate victories. Um, they were spinning their wheels basically. The loam deck was just like loaming and not hitting anything. Loaming, not hitting anything. Um, I was three and two individually. Went into round nine. I played against Lyle, and Lyle, we we have his deck down in the, um, we're going to have that in show notes because he finished third 
in the classic. The reason I wanted to put his deck list down is because he was a blue-black Delver. Demir Delver. Not red. Demir. You don't see this very often. Huh? I mean, Fatal Push is a good card. Well, yeah. But the spice Lyle is running is a four of Yuriko the Tiger Shadow. Excuse me? Yeah. Commander card, (laughs) Yuriko the Tiger Shadow. That is a one, blue, black, one, three, legendary creature, human ninja at rare with commander ninjutsu, which doesn't even matter here for a blue, black. Still ninjutsu, just doesn't matter yes, the command zone. It's ninjutsu, yeah, so it doesn't do the command. So you still play the blue, black, but it's one of those like you can ninjutsu out from a command zone, whatever. So blue, black, ninjutsu it out. It says whenever a ninja you control, now this is the only ninja in the deck. Yes. Weakness. Yeah. Whenever ninja you control deals dam- combat damage to a player, reveal the top card of your library and put that card into your hand. Each opponent loses life equal to that card's converted mana cost. Hey, Brainstorm's a hell of a card for setting up the top of your deck. That, my opponent, true. My opponent went ninjutsu, Brainstorm, in the combat fate. Like, they were in, like, like okay, blockers, like, move to blockers thing, cat, you know, do their effects. Brainstorm puts some cards back on top. Then goes, okay, your code isn't blocked. Hit you with for one. I'm like, all right. Reveal the top card your library. Reveals it. Gurmag Angler. See, that's like the worst Bob ever. I just got it's it's a it doesn't hit him. It hits you. I know. I got nailed for eight off of that creature. One for the creature, seven for Gurmag Angler's cost. Woof. That was painful. <laughs> Let me tell you what. Yeah. Um. They've even got an unmask, which is pretty interesting. Mm. That's the three and a black sorcery. You may remove a black card from your hand from the game's so exile card instead of playing unmasked mana cost. Look at target player's hand and choose a non-land card from it. That player discards. So it's like a thought seize, but with a weird. It is a card that I know Aaron Campbell is fond of sleeving up. Oh yeah. So unmask. Um. It's got ponders, pushes, dismembered days. Has a consigned to oblivion. A two of? Ooh. Yeah. Because remember, kids, Spicy. C- consigned to oblivion, the way they do split cards now, it's a seven. That's seven. Oh, Lord. Consigned is two, one in a blue, oblivion's four in a black, CMC of seven. Yep. They have six hits for seven damage Ooh. off of Yuriko. That is, that is a beating. It is a spicy deck. Um, if you're interested in some blue-black Delver shenanigans, definitely check the list out we have in there. Uh, Lyle's deck, and like I said, he took it to third at the classic. So obviously, he didn't. His team didn't make day two because he was playing us in the five and three round nine bracket. But he ended up getting third place on his own. So the deck's got legs. Yeah. Um, this was a DNF this, the, for yeah, us. This is spicy. Um, so I did get that huge chunk and ended up just losing to Yuriko and a couple other things getting in. Um, he was able to flip a Delver or two and just hit me down. And I was just like, yeah, I got nothing. I got him to eight, in fact, and then my deck just stalled. Um, we were going, I had to mold a five in game two. Um, I got a DNF. We actually didn't finish game two. Um, my teammate just rolled his teammates. Um, but we ended up playing it out to the end. I would have lost the game uh, mm. there. But Lyle was really cool. Um, I chatted with him about, because apparently, so I didn't know this. But I'm in a so I'm in a couple of uh, infect legacy discords and stuff like that, and apparently Lyle is the person who popularized the submerge plan at the sideboard for legacy infect. Ooh, interesting. So I later found out that this opponent that I played against was actually like one of the people who really, really actually no, it wasn't him. It was Zach, my round one opponent for the classic. My bad. Got it. I double checked my notes. The next one. Yeah, so Lyle also does some Delvering stuff. But then I played another Lyle on Grixis Delver the next day <laughs> in the class. <laughs> but it was actually Zach. Mm. It wasn't that, but it was a... Um, so, yeah, so we ended up going six and three. Um, I'll talk just briefly on the classic that I O2 dropped. Um, I lost both rounds. There was... I got straight up rolled. Um, I'll read my... I basically multi four and scooped <laughs> yeah <laughs> no two that's fair round two i'll read those hands off but um i lost to a lightning bolt we had a really cool close game almost actually like regular damage the mount uh this guy was on a grixis delver with uh what's it called we ended up doing a lot of one-for-one trading 
because he was just chunking in with a uh, bitter blossom fairy yep. rogue tokens. Um, just was able to keep parity, and I couldn't push through enough infect damage. I couldn't draw the berserk to pu- push over the damage I needed to. Um, let's see. Here, I missed. Dang, I really need to work on my thing. Was that thing your handwriting? Oh, I actually, yeah, it was my handwriting. So turns out that for some reason, I just completely played something, passed the turn on turn two with a turn one Infector on board, and just completely missed one point of Infect damage. And what really stunk is that I would have put him at eight Infect, and I had enough pump with a Pendlehaven pump plus Berserk that would have put him over lethal and i wasn't able to do it because i missed one point of damage yeah i was like watch that point of damage matter like five turns later it's like oh yeah it did matter oops it is a bad um it is yeah but zach apparently was so zachary cock was one of the uh people that basically was teferi's response not uh submerge either i'm completely biffing it but i just popped into the discord channel real quick to look at it but yeah it was zachary cock uh who played teferi's response on camera a couple like you can find him playing it and uh yeah played him when he was on that in the classic it was kind of fun and interesting uh ended up losing that one and then ended up playing another person like, on lands which is just never a fun matchup for me they ended up i mulled a five and they got a uh merit lodge out on me woof and then i mulled the four so my seven was a bad it was a, just a straight up bad seven against lands it was doing nothing and any kind of good land start would have just wrecked me with that one so i'm like all right cool i had ink moth one land as my one land and a needle but had no colored for all the colored mana in my thing and i actually looked and there was no colored mana coming for the next three or four turns so i probably would have just had to been like slam the needle name stage and then pray to god yep they didn't have a way to destroy my needle. They usually do. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, I did have a way. I'm like, yeah, cool. Uh, my five was a no lander. Yeah. That I was like, you know what? F it. I'm going to keep it. Scry, land on top. Let's do this. Because <laughs> at that point, I was just like, if I go to four, I'm probably just going to lose anyway. And I just said, okay, cool. After the game, I'm going to shuffle up. He ended up getting like a turn four Marilage out anyway. So I was just done with my no lander even though like i finally got an infector on board and i was starting to like okay maybe start to pull things out but they just were quicker than me because i mulled so so deep my four would have also been bad i was just like okay shuffle up cut draw four yeah no there was no way i was going to get it so the deck provides and sometimes it doesn't overall i had a blast uh, my teammates angel and ricky were great uh usually what you'll do in team tournaments is you might like look over the shoulder of your other player who's going and like suggest lines and stuff like that but since we were so disparate with and detached in our testing with each other that we kind of just like stayed out of each other's lanes ricky was almost always done in the first one or two people so um there was really no thing like that it was either me finishing up or angel finishing up if we ended up going to a game three you there was a lot of actually like we won two and then the other game didn't finish kind of thing. Yeah. There was no like one, one wait for the third one. One of the rounds we did, I think was round eight when I did get that punishing loan win. So I ended up sitting behind Angel who was finishing her game out against a, uh, is it um, Drake deck and just watched her play the lines perfectly, do what she needed to do exactly when she needed to. And it was awesome. And I kind of just, I didn't even bother like, you know, chipping in with some advice because she was just in the zone and i was just like yep hands off on this one so it was kind of fun um i would absolutely want to team with them again if the situation presented itself i think we did a great job overall in terms of our record um i know ricky's made some day twos of some events he's been playing in angels made some day twos i was the only person on the team who had not day two an event uh due to the weird wonkiness again of how you know rules go or how the not rules breakers go with such a small like think of that as more of a 300 person like a 290 person tournament rather than a tournament with like 900 people in it because you're not gonna have the record that you would otherwise uh it was kind of fun i think if i had actually stayed in the classic and not 
just completely flamed out, I probably wouldn't have finished to stay it anyway. Because Legacy is so fun and people love playing it when they get the chance to, it would have been, so I think it started at 10.30 that morning. For, I think it was seven or eight rounds of Legacy in Swiss with a cut to top eight. That's a lot of, that's a lot of magic. It was eight rounds. Yeah, it was eight rounds with a cut to top eight. The main event was done well before that one finished. So that does not surprise it, me. Yeah, I actually just finished that one, stayed around for about another hour or two. Um, did some mess around with some people, saw a bunch of friends on the SC that, you know, the SCG grinders and stuff like that, that I know and chat with occasionally. So it was nice getting to see them. And funnily enough, Missouri MTG or Jeremy uh, did a thing on Saturday where, hey, first person to come up and recognize me gets a free prize. So Jeremy does this at a lot of events, at some events he's at. Um, he huge in the MTG finance game. Um, dude just buys and sells a lot of collections, owns, I think, one or two stores. Um, very successful at that kind of thing. He's doing law student stuff too. Um, dude's going places in life. But he, uh, I saw him like, hey, what's up, Jeremy? How's it going, man? And I didn't even, I thought at that point I was already well past the point. And he's like, oh, hey, yeah, by the way, you're the first person to say hi to me. And I'm like, I'm what now? <laughs> oh, cool. And he's like, yeah, here, so uh, this. And hands a, hands a card and a sleeve over to me a foil russian so right there if you know anything about mg finance russian cards are probably the least printed of print runs so the foils therefore are less foils available of these russian print cards eidolon of the great revel yep from theros so i ended up with a card that's about 125 dollars mm-hmm. just for saying hey to a buddy <laughs> you know, sometimes cool. being friendly helps yeah, well, at least knowing people. But yeah, it was That's great. Um, again, I can't plug SCG and Law. He preys on them enough. They do a great job if you're on the East Coast, anywhere east of the Mississippi River, essentially. Lone exception for that being the fine folks in Texas. Because they usually do yeah. an event. And occasionally Vegas. They'll do one in Vegas, and then they'll usually do one in Dallas. But most of it, time, it's on the East Coast. Uh, I'm going to be SCG Philly next month. Uh, that'll be fun. We'll talk about that when we're doing the outro, but yeah, go to an SCG event. If you have one nearby your area, it's fun. Um, even if you don't play in the main event, if it's not your format, uh, usually they have modern legacy. It's like a mini GP and we always say go to GPs. So go to your SCG events as well. If you're there. Yeah. Downside is that again, they're very localized compared to uh you know gps and magic fest which can be anywhere in the world but yes these are east coast of the u.s mostly mostly um yeah so where is it events page coming up march 2nd and 3rd is scg syracuse which is legacy then they got their regional championships on march 9th scg philadelphia which is technically in like all the way out near king of prussia valley forge because it's cheap to get event centers out there as opposed to in downtown philly but either way it's still fun that's march 16th to the 17th it's modern so they have a modern classic and a legacy classic on sunday so if you want to play some legacy go there on sunday then the team constructed scg cincinnati march 23rd to 24th obviously they're going to have classics on all three it'll be just like it was at scg baltimore and then they got one in cleveland in april then there's a chunk where they're not doing anything until uh, Richmond with standard that's going to be new war of the spark standard for that particular event SCG Syracuse again for more standard SCG Louisville in May uh, over uh, that is more the weekend for modern and then SCG con in the summertime modern standard invitational but they also do opens and classics there too uh, seriously go check out their website for events, schedule, all that kind of fun stuff. Um, it's great. My teammates were great. That was fun. It's nice driving to Baltimore. It's like only an hour drive without traffic from home here in DC. So it's nice having a local tournament. They hit there usually two, three times a year. It's always nice being only having, only having to drive like an hour or so. Yeah. Like, so I went to, so we had some Baltimore events last year too. And I actually was able to, I didn't even have a hotel for one of the SCG Baltimore's last year. I just drove up each day. Like got up at like seven in the morning, drove there, was there by eight, eight thirty. Event starts at nine. Sweet. 
Let's do this. There you go. Coffee. Coffee. Let's call that a wrap. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Well, Ian, if people wanted to find you on the social medias, where can they do so? You guys can find me on Twitter at DixonIJ. That's D-I-X-O-N-I-J. Tweeting about magic, sports, army stuff, random nerdy stuff. I don't know. It's a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. When you when you tweet over ninety thousand times and since you joined in like twenty ten, you know it's a lot of stuff there. Uh, you guys can find me on Twitch streaming, which I will be streaming. I should be streaming. Let's put it that way. Should be streaming a lot more. Uh, prepping up for SED Baltimore. There's a couple modern decks I want to kick the tires on. That's not modern. In fact because it's not that great right now. And there's a couple of decks I have my eye on playing. Some of the Phoenix variants or Grixis Death Shadow, which seems decently positioned right now, all of those decks. I will be having as a guest from Turn 1 Thoughtseize, Aaron, uh, on the some of those streams. So look forward to that. But yeah, John, where can they find you? You guys can find me on Twitter at jwally129. That's J-W-I-L-E-Y-129. You can also find me on Twitch at the same handle. If you see me floating around the chat room, do not hesitate to say hi. Uh, life's busy right now. Um, I, was, I wanted to go out to Magic Fest Memphis, but magic, but life happened. Not magic happened. Life happened. Um, but hopefully things. Yeah, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that next week. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, but anyways, if you want to reach the podcast directly, you can do so one of two ways. You can hit us up on Twitter at Eyes in the Mize, or if you have a more personal question, you can shoot us an email at eyesinthemize at gmail.com. We would, of course, love to hear how we can best improve the podcast for you, our lovely listeners. On behalf of Ian, I'm John. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you all next time. <laughs>